Well, yes, my name is Ryan Nixon. This is Susan Cox. Uh, we are married, just not to each other. Uh, but uh, the reason why we're up here is we get the privilege of serving as uh, two of the re-engaged directors here at Watermark. And it's a joy being here with you guys. And we've got four groups celebrating tonight, yeah, uh, which is awesome. And, uh, and one of the couples uh, who is celebrating just also wanted to impart some wisdom to you guys. And so we want to start off and just show this video. When the moment is right, the moment is right. Why wait? Don't wait and postpone for later, which should be experienced and enjoyed now. Sure, it's always nice to have the right ambiance, but sometimes there's just no good reason to delay. Prayer, it's always the right time. Do not pray unless you are living with your wife in an understanding way. The side effects of prayer may be joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Contact the pastor immediately if you find yourself in the same position for more than four hours. Prayer. Oh, four man. Days. Hey, I want you to know, I mean, we, uh, you've got some creative um, leaders that are out there loving you guys, and so... I mean, one, the, everything right there was just so true, but just everything was just perfect. And so thank you guys, Team Daily, uh, for doing that. And just wanted to start off tonight and just kind of say, hey, like, I know sometimes this time can just be a little somber. And man, marriage, life, uh, even just this is, is meant to be enjoyed. And there's just sometimes, even in the midst of the grind, that, that we need to laugh. And so uh, wanted to start off tonight with that. But go ahead, Susan. Hey, as we look back over how couples move from, you know, just coming to a point of really struggling or perhaps even in a crisis to a moment of true health and continuing to live in a marriage that is healthy. We've noticed over the course of several years, there's four things that we see that typically are in place when a couple is in a healthy place. And so as you walked in tonight, you were handed a handout of what is entitled the four characteristics of couples who get well and stay well. And if you hang around re-engage long enough, you're going to hear it referred to as the four C's. And we put a stool up on the stage tonight, and we want you to notice that there, there are four steel legs that are holding up this chair. And so if I were to get in it and sit in it and and load it up with all kinds of stuff, I know that this chair is going to be rock solid in holding me up. And the four C's are like the four legs on this stool. If these four things are put into practice on a daily basis in your marriage, your marriage is going to be in a place of where God is being honored There's oneness in your marriage, and it's a marriage that's going to bring glory to the Lord. And so tonight, Ryan and I want to take you through each of these four components. And so let's dive right in with number one. The number one thing that we see in couples that get healthy is Christ. The relationship with Christ is number one. It may be that there's been a renewed spiritual vitality in the marriage. Perhaps both husband and wife already know the Lord. And there's been a turn and a shift of beginning to pursue him daily. Or perhaps in some couples coming through re-engage, it may be that this is the time that they meet Christ and really begin to understand what it looks like to have that personal relationship with him. I think of Colossians 1.17. 
This verse is all over our house and it's, for he is above all things and in him all things hold together. And so if you think about when your marriage comes together and and that's marriage being part of that all things. And so when Christ is the number one relationship in your own individual life and in that relationship with your spouse, the marriage tends to move toward oneness. It is true that your marriage is a relationship with you and your spouse. But it cannot be what God designed it to be without having that intimate relationship with Jesus. I know that Roll and I, you've heard us, you've been in newcomers. We told you that we, we played Christian. For years and years, Roll and I walked in church and carried the Bible and checked the box that, yep, we'd done the Sunday thing. And we would have told you that we knew Christ but we really didn't know Christ. And so the radical shift that began to take place in our marriage was we began to understand the truth of John 15, five. Jesus tells us in that passage, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do no thing. And when we're anchored to Christ and we're abiding in him, guys, the marriage looks different. We're humble, we're kind, we're patient, we're loving, we forgive, we show grace. These qualities play a huge impact in the marriage. You know, your faith and your spiritual vitality play a huge part in the way that you love and care for one another. The trick is not to say that I'm Christian. The trick is to live out loud the teachings of Christ and what he's called us to do. And if you want to know what it looks like, really and truly, smell like, look like, taste like, feel like, to be that Christ follower in your marriage, write down this passage, Colossians 3, 12 to 17. If I will be the person that Paul describes in that passage, boy, that's an amazing spouse to be married to. Those that gain ground in their marriage, no matter what's happened, whether there's been a significant crisis or perhaps we just drifted or perhaps communication is lagging, those that gain ground truly begin to understand what it means to be obedient and follow what the Christ is teaching us to do. Very practical steps. A lot of times couples will ask us, hey, okay, I hear the Bible stuff, but what do I do with this? How do I put it into practice? Some practical steps would be to do this. Join the journey. The slide was on the screen earlier. Watermark has a multiple of resources to help you dive in and begin to learn and study God's word. There's Equip Disciple. There's Summit for the Men's Bible Study. There's Women's Bible Studies. If you want to know more about what it would look like to begin walking and studying God's word, be intentional. Step out, go to watermark.org and see which places you can step in to get connected. And then, and finally on this one for number one, I just think of, you know, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Some of you might be thinking, hey, really, what what is marriage all about? Why did God even create it? Well, this verse clearly tells us why he did. Because everything that we do is to give God the glory. Your marriage is to give the Lord all the glory. And so, super quick. Think back over the last 24, 48, 36, 72 hours. Did the actions and behavior in your marriage give the Lord the glory? We know that God's word has given us everything we need to do this thing called marriage. And we have a 100% chance of having a healthy, thriving, successful, God-honoring marriage if we'll do it his way. So we pray that as 2016 takes off, that this will be the year that you will have a resolution of making Christ number one. That's great. And 
As we know that some of y'all, as y'all are coming in here, um, you don't know, you know, even what we're talking about as far as just having a relationship with Christ. Uh, Susan and I had the privilege of meeting with a couple earlier today that, that came through Reengage and now are saying, hey, we don't know if it's now or in the future, but we want to lead others as we have been led. And as they came through the doors, uh, the wife uh, knew the Lord and had known the Lord for years, and the husband had not. Um, and it was, and they'd heard about this thing called the gospel that Jesus Christ came and lived the life uh, we could not live, died on the cross for our sins, and rose from the grave, conquering death. And as he came here his first night and heard the testimony, and then listened to to Raul and Susan share their story, he just said that night it just clicked, and that for the first time he surrendered his life to the truth of the gospel. And so we want you to know, and, and they said that, that was the genesis uh, of their marriage that had brokenness and infidelity being restored, was them taking that first step of surrendering their life to the Lord. And then, so that was so great, just so what are some of those practical steps that we can do to grow in our relationship with Jesus? And, and it was just such a joy sitting across from them and just hearing them share their story and, and just the fun and crazy story that it is and that God has healed and restored. And that second C is circle. And I know that as people come into this room, um, we hear this story over and over again. Um, they come in because most likely there's been a lot of pain, brokenness, betrayal, and something's happened. The person sitting next to you, or maybe the person that's not even here, um, has hurt you deeply. Um, and it's like, hey, if, if you guys can help fix this individual that I'm sitting next to, then our marriage will get better. Because I can't even begin to tell you what this person has done to me. And we just want you to know that um, your spouse isn't the problem. And what they've done isn't the problem, no matter how great it is. Because if your spouse and what they've done was the problem, you're going to look for them to be the solution. And the reality is, is that our sin, both of us, even if the other person owns 98% of the issue and you own 2%, like our own individual sin is the problem. And our solution is Jesus. And so that's why that second C is circle. It's saying, hey, if, if I um, want to grow in our marriage, if, if I want us to grow in our marriage, the best thing that I can do is draw a circle on the ground and step in that circle and say, hey, I am going to get busy fixing everybody inside of that circle, helping that person, me, be um, a faithful follower of Jesus, a faithful husband, you know, faithful man of God. And if I do that, I'm going to do my part in helping this marriage grow. And so we know that, you know, in the midst of life that normally there is, you know, both in big and small situations, there's normally an offender um, and, a, and a victim or offender and offendee. But still, even in those situations, what we have to do is draw a circle around ourselves. What we have to do is say, okay, how can I look at my shortcomings, my issues, and work on those? How can I confess those things that I've done wrong? How can I begin to um, experience healing from my own choices, ask forgiveness, and, and seek to rebuild trust? You know, again, wh- whether it's an addiction or it's an affair, or it's just, you know, spending too much time on work or kids, you know, instead of focusing on some of those greater priorities. And so, um, one of the things, Matthew 7, and that's the passage that's on there, 3 through 5, just says, hey, before you go and, and try to remove the speck from your spouse's eye, that's not what it says, but your brother's eye, before you look at your spouse and try to remove the speck from their eye, first remove the log from your own eye. 
And then you'll be able to see more clearly to be able to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And the thing that I love about that is that Jesus, and even we will say, hey, it's not that we're not going to deal with the sin that's in the other individual. We're going to get to that. But that's not my job. You know, it's, it's my job to work on me. And then how can I, as we come alongside the body of Christ, you know, allow each other to help us, you know, maybe work on the, the speck in each other's eye as well. And so that second C is just circle. And how can you, as you come into this room, no matter how wounded you are, work on yourself? So let's take a look at number three. So look at the progression. So if number one, I understand who Christ is and I'm abiding in him, spending time in his word. Then number two, as Ryan talked about, when I am inside that circle, if my actions and decisions and behaviors are not lining up with what God has called me to do, then there is somebody that needs to change. And it is the one that's in the circle. Number three leads us to commitment. Commitment. Couples that get well coming through this ministry and even years on down the road, guys, it's because they made the commitment, the ruthless commitment to stand in the marriage. They're committed. And so tonight, a question for all of us in the room would be, I mean, are we really in it? Are we really willing to do the work it's going to take to move toward oneness? I think sometimes in marriage, we may say that with our mouth, but yet our actions are one foot out and one foot in. Did you know that January is the number one month for divorce in our country? It is the number one month. I had coffee with a divorce attorney a couple of weeks ago just to kind of see, hey, what, what's the gig about this thing, you know, January being such the hot month for divorce? And she said, we can't keep up with all of the ones that are being filed. And she played it out like this. She said, it plays out like, hey, it's a new year. It's a new me. And it doesn't include you. And so I'm ready to hit the eject button and, and move. And so divorce is only one way that couples will exit a marriage. There are many other doors that couples will sometimes choose when they realize the truth of 1 Corinthians 7.28. How many of you show of hands in here when you married your spouse, you thought you married somebody perfect? Thanks for your honesty. I love it. I don't know about you, but for Raul and I, day two... Day two of the honeymoon, the truth of 1 Corinthians seven twenty eight lived out loud, which says, for those who marry, you're going to have trouble. And the reason that that verse is there, gosh, Romans three twenty three tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so the day that we marry, we marry an imperfect person. And some of us, maybe it does take you day two to realize you didn't marry somebody perfect. Maybe it's year five, seven, beyond. I don't know. But at some point when you realize, hey, this, this broken person is just not meeting my needs then I'm going to start to look for a way out. And for some, it very well may be I'm going to hit the divorce button. Or perhaps this is your door. Listen as I label some doors. Maybe you've just chosen to live undivorced. Maybe you're not willing to do, you know, go through the divorce process. Maybe what you're saying is, hey, I'm just going to stay as things are, you know, not going to move ahead. I'm not going to leave you, but I'm just not going to invest in the marriage and I'm going to put my energy elsewhere. Another door that couples will often choose may be that of an affair, either physical affair or an emotional affair, perhaps just believing the lie that maybe if I go be in a relationship with somebody else, that that's surely going to meet the needs of what I'm lacking in this marriage. Perhaps it's the door of porn. 
maybe the door of drugs or alcohol, or even possibly good things. It could even be hobbies, golf, working out at the gym, shopping, or possibly even just putting work ahead of the marriage. Or maybe even for the mamas in the room, sometimes we want to find our significance in our children and putting them first. But the problem with all of these doors is this, guys. All of those doors may feel good for just a moment. Sin is fleeting, as Hebrews 11 tells us. They're they're temporary pleasures that we try to run to, trying to meet that eternal need that only the relationship with Christ can meet. And so we'll run to that door, and it may satisfy for just a moment, but it is not one that will satisfy for eternity. See, number one. Practical step that we do is we close all doors. We just, we close it, we lock it, we throw the key away, we dig our heels in. We're abiding in Christ, we're owning our own junk in the marriage, and we're willing to stay committed. But in addition to closing the door, there's got to be more, right? I can't just close the door and do nothing. I've got to be committed in pursuing oneness with my spouse. And so practical steps would be regular date nights. Pursuing your spouse. Think right now, when's the last time that I went on a date with my spouse? Wow, if it hasn't been within a week, take the initiative. Take that step forward and ask the spouse out. It also looks like investing time with one another. You know, I've got to turn and invest back in the marriage the same way that I invested in dating my spouse, even during the engagement process. And then oneness will happen when you're intentional in moving the marriage in moving forward, investing time, spending time with one another, going on date night. Ryan nailed it. The couple that we met with today, we asked them, what is the one thing that has made a difference in your marriage? And that wife, with tears down her face, said the one thing that made a difference in our marriage was that I prayed for this man every day. Even on days I wanted to strangle him and run him over in an eight. Wheeler, I continue to pray for him. And he said the same thing about her. On days that I thought I wanted to choke her, I, I just, I prayed for her. And so a challenge we want to give you is this. Simple prayer. God, show me one way today that I can love my spouse and give me the courage to carry it out. If that's the simple prayer that you could start with, man, grab it, guys. Dive in and let that be your way of moving toward oneness. And then finally on this one, man, God's word tells us, Matthew 19, 6, the Lord nails it. He just says, it is God who joins us together. And because of this, we are not to separate. Hmm. Guys, God is the binding agent. Divine moment happened the day that you said, I do. Marriage is all about commitment. In that covenant-keeping love between God and his people, and you think about it for a minute, what better place for that love to show up than in the midst of two broken people committed to the marriage and loving each other the way God has called them to? That's great. And as I think about that commitment, um, I don't know about you guys, but um, I, I tried really hard on my own to be committed to closing doors that were leading me away from oneness in marriage and to help me be committed to pursuing my wife. And I want you to know it it doesn't work when we try to do it alone. You know, God has given us a means of grace and it is the local church. Um, And it's not just the local church in a large room like this or on a Sunday somewhere, but the local church of, you know, four or five, either individuals or four or five couples coming alongside you. And that fourth C is community. That's what we call this kind of small group of people 
um, walking alongside you here at Watermark. There's a lot of other names for it, and we call it community, and it goes well with, you know, the four C's. And so in that, I know for me, I was even in a community group here at Watermark. I was a professional Christian um, at a, with another ministry, um, and I was not walking personally in community with them. You know, they were doing their part, but I was not doing my part to allow them into my life because I really didn't believe in just the truth of God's word. And I didn't really fully trust um, that, that God's grace was sufficient and that I didn't need to prove myself in a lot of different ways. And if y'all have heard me, me and my wife share our story, just for me, that, that door of escape was pornography. And so it took me kind of coming and, and being open and honest with a group of people saying, hey, here's my brokenness, even though I'm ashamed of it, and don't want you to fully know about it. Here's my brokenness. And I'm going to um, trust you guys enough to accept me in my brokenness. Um, but also, I need to trust you guys enough to, to love me enough to not allow me to stay there. And, and I didn't want to stay there either. But, but I'd spent so many years trying to do this on my own. I spent so many years reading God's word, memorizing God's word, crying out to God in confession, asking for help. But it wasn't until I allowed the body of Christ to be a means of grace for me, to come alongside me, that I began to experience healing. James 5, 16 says, if we confess our sins, it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. I was all about praying and confessing to God, but I didn't want to confess to other people. So I wasn't personally experiencing healing in my life, and our marriage wasn't experiencing healing because I wasn't going to community in the way that God calls us to. And God's word also says, whoever conceals his sin will not prosper, but whoever um, confesses it and renounces it will obtain mercy. And so what I want you to know is that here in Reengage, you're going to get to experience a little bit of what we call community. And that we're asking that you would trust us enough and say, hey, these are going to be a group of people who are at least the leaders, you know, and I believe what you're going to be experiencing is also within your small group, is that these are a group of people who are broken just like you are. And so trust them enough to accept you right where you are in your brokenness. Whatever you've done, whether you're ashamed of it, whether someone knows about it or not, that you just come clean and walk in the light. And then trust them enough to love you to the point to where they don't allow you to stay there. And so as we think about just community and, and what it allows, what it's supposed to do for us, you know, 1 Thessalonians 5.14 on that handout just calls us to, hey, here's what you should expect in community that we admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and then be patient with everyone. And that's what we want you to experience. And when we think about the core values that we want community groups here at Watermark, and also we want you as a re-engage group to experience, there's um, six of them here, that we would devote daily to Jesus, devote daily to spending time in God's Word, that we would pursue each other relationally, that's why it's not just, hey, come here on Wednesday night, but your leaders, you know, they're calling you, they're texting you, they're wanting to spend time with you because we want to pursue you relationally. That we would uh, live authentically. Your leaders just aren't saying, hey, we're doing awesome. You know, if you just get your stuff together, everything would be great. No, they're living authentically with you and hoping that you would live in authenticity with them. That we'd counsel biblically. This isn't Oprah's tips and tricks on how to have a better marriage. It's, no, this is God's word. 
And how do we counsel each other from God's word? The other one is that we'd admonish each other faithfully. Even when it's difficult, that we'd continue to call each other towards Christ-likeness. Um, and then the last one is that, that we'd engage missionally. That we'd go from here and share with other people the hope that we found in Jesus. And how this man named Jesus and this thing called the local church has healed and restored us. And so now we go and tell others. And, and I want you to know, you are not meant to do this on your own. You know, could your marriage get better you know, just trying to duke it out, just you and your spouse, it could. But you'd be missing out on one of the means of grace that God has provided for you to experience healing and help. I know, but you may be thinking, I hope my spouse was listening tonight. (laughs) Our prayer is that you were. Our prayer is that you were. Somebody has to go first, right? Right? To be like Christ, it means to initiate. And so all of these are not dependent on what your spouse does or does not do. You go first and step out, be bold. And a question that Ryan and I would want to leave you with tonight is as you humbly look over all four of these, which one can you commit tonight to begin to take ground in? It's 2016. Let's go show the world how God created marriage and what he designed it to be. I'm so glad you guys are here.